Welcome to the pod, guys. Today, we're going to dive straight in. Pizzo Mosimane, no longer Al Ahli coach. We want to find out how this all transpired. Three CAF Champions League finals in a row, two title, lots to unpack. Joining me are the regulars, Courtney Fries, our resident former, former PSL winner and the holder of the Spirit Cup. You'll hear more about that as the pod goes on. We have Alistair Haworth, our cross-platform reporter. Ali, how are you doing? We have Francis and Quain, African football expert, sports media executive, smartest, suavest looking guy on the east and west coast of Africa. That's how good this guy is. Welcome to the pod. And we have a very special guest. Courtney Free says, I have to give him the big sell. So drum roll, please. Award-winning reporter, the man with his finger on the pulse of African football. He travels from Cape Town to Cairo. <laughs> the all-knowing Oracle Lawrence Collar. Welcome to the show. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm part of the furniture here, so I don't know why I need an introduction anymore. <laughs> uh, this is this is what is like my my sixth or seventh prior. I'm tired of these guys already. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I like? You know, Trevor Noah, when he started on The Daily Show, he was a correspondent. And then mm. he got to take over the mantelpiece. So maybe we're getting you ready for that. A hundred percent. You can just say the new host, uh, the host elect. The first thing I will, the first thing I'm going to do as executive producer is fire zone. Listen, we'll do a straw poll on that before we get talking pizza because he's obviously out of a job. Those in favor of Zane continuing to <laughs> Zoom call, put your hands up now. No, no, you, 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 you oh, I not to speak. Oh, <laughs> I, got, I got two votes. Those I, who cannot you, see. I don't want no Durban people in charge. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I saw Francis's hand go up. Lawrence very magnanimously voted for me. All those in favor of. Um, of, of Lawrence to host the show going forward. Put your hands up. <laughs> oh, my word. Had his it time. is unanimous. This is a very African <laughs> vote. People voted twice. So you know what I mean? <laughs> well, guys, since this is my last show, anyway, listen, no worries. Wait. Lawrence, you are welcome anytime, and you know that, brother. But listen, let's get serious for a minute. Pizzo Masimani, the talented, the mastermind, the man who has done fantastic things at Al-Akhli, and before that at Sundowns, is no longer at the Egyptian Giants. Before we start to unpack the why, could you recap some of his highlights at the club, what he achieved and how significant this was given he was the first sub-Saharan African to coach the team? So looking from the beginning, I'll never forget it. I mean, I don't think anybody will forget it. I remember Waking up one morning, getting a WhatsApp saying, ah, Pizzo's joining Al-Akhli. And like I said, before we started the show, it was like literally a week before he signed a new long-term contract. And I was like, guys, stop talking nonsense. You know what I mean? Al-Akhli is never going to hire an African manager. Pizzo is never going to leave Sundowns. Just forget about it. And then an hour later, everything just changed. Pizzo resigned, you know, I think the whole African media space just turned upside down. Just, it was like one of the most blockbuster moves that we've ever seen on the continent. Um, and a match made in heaven. Uh, finally, a club that meets Pizzo's, you know, humongous ambitions. Um, 
and a club that's seeking continental glory for the first time in almost a decade, seven years. So obviously he got the club uh, in the semifinals of the CAF Champions League with Rene Weiler having led them there and then COVID, you know, being one of the main reasons that he resigned um, the Swiss manager. So the league was already wrapped up. So you can't attribute uh, the league title success to Pizzo really. And I'm sure he does it as well. He just took pictures of the trophies, like you said. Um, but, you know, getting with dad in the semifinal and then a Cairo derby um, in the final. I mean, geez, that's as big as it gets. Like that's the two toughest opponents you can probably get in the continent. For al Ahli. Um you know, Morocco is a destination they're notoriously, you know, bad um, travelers. Um, so that was definitely, you, you, you can have to give him credit for winning that title. And then, you know, the second title, I mean, beating Kaiser Chiefs, Chiefs that uh, had a transfer ban, bad upheaval, Gavin Hunt getting sacked, Stuart Bax's first game in charge in the final, uh, maybe the easiest final that he's ever played. Um, in the Champions League and possibly that Al-Akhli has also played um, also with a red card and things like that but at the same time it was an amazing achievement because he was getting so much criticism in the group stage I think he lost to Simba they drew with Vita they were literally I remember sitting with him and we were watching highlights uh, of, of that campaign and he was like this was the moment where we thought we were out of this tournament. And I think they scored like a 90th minute uh, header or something against Vita to throw the game 2-2. And they said after that game in the dressing room, they said to each other, we've got a lifeline. We're going to go on and win this tournament. And that speaks to the mentality that he installed in that team. Um, they never switched off. They never had holiday. It was just one thing after the other. And from that sundown stable winning team, um, when he resigned, he resigned and then he walked straight into, you know, the semifinals. He never had a holiday. His technical team never had a holiday. And then the Al-Akhli team also just carried on season after season. Club World Cup, AFCON, Arab World Cup, um, I mean, Arab Cup, all these, these, these challenges that he faced. And I think from that perspective, it, it deserves a major applause. Uh, two bronze medals, back-to-back um, -back club World Cups, um, CAF Super Cup, I think the Egypt Cup as well. The only, you know, stain on his stint is not winning the Egyptian Premier League. Um, but maybe he would have won it this year if he continued, but we'll never know. So um, 20 months, five trophies, two bronze medals. Um, he leaves as the second longest serving manager of the club in hundred years and um, possibly one of the most successful managers in the history um, behind Manuel Jose. So he's left his blue, his, his, his imprint on the history of the club and nobody can take that away from him. So Lawrence, um, if I may, you sound like a very proud South African man when you talk about Pizza. Do you think his story in back home in South Africa is one of success, one of, uh, that makes the nation feel proud of what it is he's achieved. And do you think, knowing Pizza as you know him, he himself would be quite proud of what he was able to achieve? 
Pizza is proud of everything that he's achieved, honestly. Like, he's proud of the trophy, the MDN 8 trophy, or Super 8 trophy won at Supersport. I don't think he holds any trophy higher than the other. He's he's one of those guys, he's just always on to the next one, though, but he always refers to where he came from. Um, like, for example, he doesn't, he, he says one thing leads to the other. If it wasn't for this trophy or this opportunity, he wouldn't you know, get to the point where he is today. So obviously, I think he's proud of his journey more than, you know, his stint at Al-Akhli, so to say. Um, he knows he's one of the most successful, if not the most successful African coach of all time, but he doesn't need to say that because we say it for him all the time, you know what I mean? Um, but coming back to the pride factor in South Africa, you know, I'm very immersed in media and um, there is a little bit of a divide. Um, I think mainly Sundowns fans and uh, there's a bit of, I wouldn't say sourness, but he hasn't really enjoyed the best of relationship with Sundowns. I can't say completely, but there's certain individuals that he's, you know, targeted and many fans don't have the nuanced understanding of that his problem isn't with sundowns, it's with a few individuals. So they all, I would say, 10% of South African fans who are like, they're happy, in inverted commas, that he's, you know, parted ways with Al-Akhli because uh, they were, there's, there's a term in South African, uh, you call it nar, they nar of his success. It's basically, they they sour, they like, they hate seeing him, seeing him succeed, but for the majority, they, they, they couldn't be prouder. They see him as like, in simple terms, Pizza Musimani is the South African superstar of our generation. We don't have a Lionel Messi. We don't have a Cristiano Ronaldo or Benny McCarthy right now. So Pizza is that, that figure of aspiration that, you know, a black man can do this, a South African man can do this. Um, and it is possible to achieve success, even though, you know, our football is in dire straits right now. I mean, I just came from a press conference of Bafana Bafana coach Hugo Bruis. He, <laughs> he went off today and it was like, he was like basically sitting with the mirror and he was like, look at you guys, look at your football. You know what I mean? And um, in that whole, you know, thing of South African football being at its lowest since readmission, Pizzo stands out as like, how is this guy so successful? And how is South African football so unsuccessful when we have a product of South African football? Somebody, Safa made Pizzo, basically. And he's doing all these great things. He's so talented. And it doesn't translate to the rest of the country. So, yeah, I can say is the one thing South Africans can be proud of 100% right now. The pizza factor certainly witnessed by everyone in the media. Um, and we can attest to that because some of our most consumed content was around pizza, interviews, stories. Um, and again, a testament to what you've outlined there. Lawrence, I have to ask, why was there a parting now? 
there's still games to be played in the Egyptian Premier League. He could still be on track to win that. Why did this relationship with Al Ahli have to end at this juncture? Um, honestly, if they won, if they if they won the Champions League against all odds, I don't think we would be having this conversation right now. I think that that's one factor um, behind it. Uh, perhaps he felt he didn't get enough support. Um, in fighting Kaf, in fighting what he said was fighting Mutsepe, he has this idea that, you know, Mutsepe was up against him where the club has really distanced himself from that. So I think the parting was now because there was, uh, how can I say, a breakdown in the relationship of some sorts where they're not on the same path. Um, certain signings like Percy Tao and Luis have been really scrutinized um, by their legends, by their pundits, possibly even the board. Um, Al-Akhli is a club known to not want to waste money. Um, you know, they don't have a sugar daddy owner like a Qatari uh, a king or whatever that owns the club. It's, it's, it's a foundation like this is their money that they're spending, so they expect value for money. There's a lot of factors behind it. Um, and I think what pushed him over the edge is somebody suggesting that he gets a new fitness trainer um, and KB should leave. And he said, no, if, if you want one of my guys to leave, then we all leave. You know what I mean? So... There was a lot of, you know, I think between the board, some said, you know, they're playing ugly football. This is not the Al-Akhli way. You know, those 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 guys that hold on to the past um, and not being realistic in where they were as a club in terms of not having an Abu Treka or a Koma or a Motaib that's scoring, you know, 25 goals in the league. Um, but... We could argue that Pizzo's style of play didn't allow that. He never really has a star, star player and things like that, even at sundowns. Never had like a 25, 30 goal striker like we're seeing now with Peter Charolili in the domestic league. So, yeah, so I think he felt that he didn't have the full backing of the board against the media attacks, against the club legends and things like that. And perhaps this was just him saying, you know what, like, I've given you a lot. I've given you three Champions League finals, two titles, two bronze medals. Good luck and, and, and see where your next coach takes you. You know what I mean? Um, you've not given me the credit that I deserve. So let's see what the next person can do. And uh, I depart as a club legend. Um, I depart uh, with a goal, with a with a with a handshake, with uh, good terms with everyone. Um, the ones that are unhappy to see me go will want me back. The ones who are happy to see me go will want me back. Type of thing, you know what I mean? So I think it was just good for both parties uh, to separate uh, now, um, so that the relationship was still on good terms, and. Um, he leaves on his own terms. I mean, where, where, where do you hear one of the biggest clubs in the world say, our coach has asked to leave? You know what I mean? 
Um, so he controlled the narrative and I think that was very important for him after the success that he's given. And I think they're even going to give him like a tribute um, of some sorts um, if he does if he does manage to go back after he comes back to South Africa. But the last thing that we also heard rumors of is that he had a bit of health concerns. Um, as you can imagine, being in such a stressful, crazy environment like Cairo at the club of that size, it, it, it's going to take your toll on your, your, your blood pressure, whatever it may be, uh, your, your stress levels. It's, it's just, it's not normal. And not to have a break from that is, is is definitely going to affect you mentally as well. So many of us wouldn't be surprised if we see him taking a sabbatical before he goes on to his next step. A sabbatical was something Pep Guardiola did, recharge the batteries, certainly had his pick of clubs. I have to ask you, uh, Lawrence, where do you think he will be looking for his next challenge after his sabbatical? The thing is, um, the first day he joined Al-Akhli, um, a lot of people asked me the question, what if he gets sacked in one month? And my response was, it doesn't matter. You see if he still speaks for himself whether he gets sacked after two days or 20 months, like he did last day. Um, he would walk into an Esperance. He would walk into a Widad or a Raja. Um, Perhaps, you know, not like a Morocco or Egypt national team because there's a little bit of a difference in how fans feel about their, 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 their domestic clubs compared to their national teams. In terms of pride, they always want to see one of their own coaching, whatever, whatever. Um, but yeah, with Esperance having hired uh, Malul last week again after Jaidi was sacked, that kind of closes the door there. Um we did obviously have Walid, who just won the Champions League against Pizzo. So I don't think there's there's something available for him in Africa right now if he wants to get into a new job. But we've been hearing about interest from Qatar and from Saudi Arabia, where you know it's quite obvious you're going to be earning enough in two, three seasons that's going to set you up financially for the rest of your life. Um, and we always make this joke, Pizza must go to the Gulf for three years and then come here and buy a club in the PSL, uh, Pizza Musimani FC, whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, like, uh, uh, I think the natural progression for him would be either the Gulf or taking over a big national team, like, you know, your Ivory Coast or your Senegals and things like that, where, again, his, 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 his ambitions will be met with, the tools as well. I mean, he can come to Bafana, but he doesn't have the tools. He can come to Kaiser Chiefs, he doesn't have the tools to, to meet his ambitions immediately. And they always say, ah, pizza must work with money, blah, blah, blah. You don't see Pep going to Brighton or Burnley or whatever. It's, it's just, it's a, it's a dumb argument, you know what I mean? So you'll go to a top club in Saudi or a top club in Qatar or a top club in Africa or a top country in Africa. Uh, he's not going to go mess around with a a small club in England or even if that European opportunity knocks on his door. You know what I mean? He wants to be at the top club and challenging for trophies. So, um, yeah, I mean, his agents, uh, his agent who is his wife said this interest from South Africa, but yeah, I don't, I don't think they'll at all amount to anything. Lawrence, do you think that from Pizzo's 
mind a move to the Gulf would be a big step up from Al-Akhli? How, you know, or would that be a sideways step? How do you think he would be? Because, you know, we've talked how we've spoken about how tactical he is, how strategic he is and everything he does. How would he see that that move? He would see it as a step up because he's acknowledged that Asian football has surpassed African football over the past 10 years. Um, bigger resources means more tools, like I alluded to, and um, a bigger opportunity to meet one of his ultimate goals, which is winning the Club World Cup. So, for example, let's say Pizzo takes over Alilal in uh, Saudi Arabia and he's working with Odeon Igalo and... Uh, you know, these type of players. It's a bigger opportunity than winning it, you know, with Al-Akhli, where he's working with a smaller budget. And, um, yeah, I think he would definitely join a club where they meet that, 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 that expectation of, like, let's go for something big. Let's go for the Club World Cup. Um, you know what I mean? So... It would it would definitely appeal for him if that ambition is to go for for a trophy that is that he's never been able to get before. He says it so many times. His agent says it so many times. His dream is to win the FIFA Club World Cup, and whatever club can offer him that platform and opportunity to do it, I'm sure he'll take that chance and be excited about it. Lawrence, you know, uh, the story really intrigues me. Listening to your, your knowledge of this, this great South African coach that we have, it also makes me very sad to hear that the Bafana job is not up uh, to his interest anymore. But I do understand you when you say there are no tools there. Um, I think, if I must be honest, I think Pizzo has told us where he's going. And I think mm. you've alluded to it as well. He's going to go to a place where there are tools to win something big. Uh, where the platform is there. Um, mm. I would like to see him push into Europe a bit more. I really would. Uh, mm. I think this, um, there's an opportunity for this manager. He's, what he's done to go to Al-Akhli, he's broken barriers. Never did we ever think this would happen. He's our only shining light, I think, that could break into the European market and make some real noise. Uh, but do you think that is on his agenda. You've spoken about the Gulf. There's interest from there. But is there any interest or any whispers about Europe? Look, there hasn't been any whispers at all. Um, but if there would be interest, if there was like a possibility, I'm sure he would explore it. I mean, he would never turn it down. You know what I mean? No matter what I say about, oh, joining a small club, it's something he, he would definitely look at that would pique his interest. But at the same time, after working for two decades in, in football and, and building your name up, he wants to be respected as well. You know what I mean? So if he is to make that jump to, to, to any club in Europe, he wouldn't, he wouldn't do it for the sake of it. He wants it to be, he would calculate it. Like, for example, let's say the opportunity comes in, in, in the Netherlands where he has a very strong relationship and background because of um, the Supersport United times with Feyenoord, um, where he coached in the youth teams, I think, 
he was coaching Robin Van Persie at one point uh, at the Feyenoord under 19, so the P team. That's a club that he could look at, you know, a PSV or a Feyenoord where he's, he's, he's ingrained in the, in the Dutch philosophy to in a certain extent because of his football education. Um, and he would look at that as an opportunity to be at a big club that can win silverware rather than going to a mid-table club where he might just be going sideways. And I think there definitely is scope for that now. We see like Vincent companies getting on the Burnley job. Okay, it's in the championship, but it shows that it's possible uh, for, you know, a black coach to 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 break the barriers now and, and get, you know, clubs that with serious ambitions at, at with, with big budgets and things like that. And something that he he mentioned, I'm sure will resonate a lot with with people when they when they think about hiring is he said something about uh, is Wayne Rooney a better coach than me? You know what I mean? So it's like guys actually look at what this person and this person has achieved and what can he achieve with more tools and more budgets, you know what I mean? So um, from that perspective, I think he's laid that kind of foundation to say, respect me um, and give me what I need to succeed and I will, I will, I will do the job for you. And um, something that we didn't mention is that being that first sub-Saharan coach at Al-Akhli or the first black coach at Al-Akhli, imagine the enormous pressure that was on his shoulders to succeed. All the people, I mean, even South Africans said, ah, this guy is going to get sacked in one month and then he's going to be Chiefs coach. You know what I mean? So um, he thrives with that type of pressure. And um, if he were to be given an opportunity in Belgium or Netherlands or, or Germany at a, at a decent club, I'm sure he would thrive. But at the same time, being more realistic because of his, his skin tone, uh, the golf is, is, is just definitely the more viable and the more realistic option for him now. If, if I may, um, you've touched on a couple of points that excite my brain in general, and it's less about Pizzo and just more about the philosophy behind who we are as Africans and the opportunities we get to lead um, and what we would consider opportunity. Because like, hypothetically speaking, if we're looking at the Premier League, any of those top 20 teams are the top 20 teams in the United Kingdom, right? Mm -hmm. And they have a firm belief that it's like one of the top five leagues in the world. Mm. So would any of those teams, because from what you said, it's like saying, even if you got, um, let's pick a team, I know disrespect to Zane's missus's club, Brighton, for example. <laughs> no, this, yeah. I don't know why Brighton popped into my head, but I'm just trying to think of like a, like a, a not so sexy club, if, if I may put it that way. Because like mm. the examples you give in Holland, these are still massive international clubs by any standard. Um, and I love the fact that he may turn down the offer if it didn't come from something that was right for him. I love that. But mm. I like it's just to have maybe like a more philosophical conversation which maybe stays away from pits of the man just to more like the opportunities that we think we 
may be deserving of over the next three to four years. Mm. So we see coaches like Patrick Vieira, mm. and I'm tossing this out to all of us, like just uh, before Lawrence feels like we, we invited him so we could just hammer him out <laughs> for every point. Um, but we see people like Patrick Vieira, Crystal Palace, we now see um, our brother, uh, uh, coming in, leaving Antwerp and coming into the championship. Um, we've had people like Chris Hewton. Um, but when we talk about world football, mm-hmm. the opportunities that we have as Africans, I don't know if we cast our nets as far and wide as we should. Because like you look at like these American spaces like the MLS, you look at the Mexican League, um, you look at what's happening, even like in places like the J League, from where mm-hmm. people like, like um, Arsene Wenger was able to leave straight out of the J League and come in into the Premier League with, with Arsenal. Um, mm. Sometimes I think the visibility that he may get from a Boris Javi, who went into the Middle East and makes his way back, that's because the relationship already existed and they were just like, go cut your teeth and come back home. Mm. But don't you think a person like him maybe could say, you know what, let me go and win a league somewhere? And any of mm. our coaches, like, and it really doesn't matter anywhere anymore. Well, you know, you could go cut your teeth in Asia, uh, in South America, Sweet. North America. It doesn't always have to be Europe. But I mm. think if he went and he won in Pizza, for example, like to come back and be specific with him, if he went into the MLS and won the MLS, for example, I don't think anybody would have any reason to doubt his quality in terms of his coaching because the point about Rooney is it's extremely pertinent. It's saying mm. like just because somebody was a good player, they're given more opportunities than a person who has a proven track record as a manager for people aren't prepared to gamble on you because where you are is invisible. Because I yeah. was having a conversation with two separate guys today, two separate teams. I went to watch a training session and we were talking about the challenges around coaching. I'm in Cameroon at present. And I was surprised that both coaches didn't know who Pizzo was. And so I was saying to them, like, how can you not know? And they were like, but it's not even on TV. We know Alali, but we only know Alali when it's the game. And then when it's the game, we actually know more about the players than we do know about the coaching staff. Like, I love the fact that you were able to roll off the tip of your tongue, backroom staff and all of these teams that come together to make the teams that we see on the pitch play. But sometimes I think we need to cast our net a little bit wider because I don't know how many of us will get the opportunities in Patrick Vieira and, you know, why am I forgetting our brother's name? <laughs> Just going Vincent Company? Vincent Company. These are two former players. So they're no mm. different to a Rooney. Mm. But a Pizzo, it's really about a very definitive space that he's occupied and made a name in. And we have four or five of those across the continent. And they don't even get their national teams sometimes. Like they're doing phenomenal. The coach is over at Simba right now. Phenomenal. When you talk with him in terms of football brain and all of that, amazing. Mm. But you'd be hard-pressed beyond his club to know who he is, mm. uh, to be able to have a conversation about his philosophy and football. And when we spoke with Bitter, we spoke about this. But I'm more interested in how we accept that a Middle Eastern step would be more, not necessarily progressive, but why we just accept that it sh- should be the done thing because maybe they might cut a decent check. I don't know if that's the reasoning, 
Meanwhile, in my opinion, he should be. Uh, he could go take over. I don't know. We have relationships with Cancun FC. Go take over Cancun FC and, and win uh, the Mexican League. And I guarantee you, the people who will look, even in Spain, the people who will look up and go, hold up a second, who's that coach? Mm. You know, the visibility that will come from it, no matter what he wins in, mm. in the Middle East, in my opinion, <clears throat> very little credit that would be given to him in terms of philosophy or style of play. And there won't be visibility nonetheless. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I don't know what everybody thinks about that. Look, there, there, there's like a certain shock window uh, where, you know, like, for example, the Premier League takes talent from the Bundesliga and from uh, League R now, for example. And in the coaching sector, it's like you said, it's about visibility. He touched on this MLS thing before we said uh, Bradley Connell, uh, former Bufana Bufana left back. Uh, he coached at University of Johannesburg, a university in South Africa um, at a very low level. He was the assistant coach at Free State Stars, assistant coach at Pirates. He went to the MLS um, and uh, he became the New York uh, Red Bulls assistant coach. He was approached by Ralph Rannick to be assistant coach of Manchester United, um, but he rejected that to uh, start at um, St. Louis as their uh, head coach in the inaugural season in 2023 campaign. Pizzo has won three Champions League and he's not getting that opportunity. But it's about who you know. And Bradley Cornell knows Ralph Rannick. And that's not to say Bradley Cornell doesn't deserve this. And Pizzo alluded might be his skin color. But Bradley Cornell was in the Bundesliga. He was mentored by Ragnik. Uh, he got his UA for pro license. Uh, he did his, 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 uh, his, his, he paid his school fees in working with these coaches. But it's like, how did he get these opportunities? It's about who he knew. You know what I mean? And I think what's been holding African coaches and specifically black coaches back over the past 20 years is not having a good PR team. It's not having a good agent. It's not having that direct line to these sporting directors. And that's what we're having with the players as well. We have a lot of talented players in South Africa, but there's no connection and there's no trust. You know what I mean? When a, when a, when a, when a team hires a coach, it's about trust as well. Uh, Brighton, the unsexy team you spoke about, hired Graham Potter from Ostersund. And that was about trust. Nobody was going to say, oh, Ostersund is good enough. Ostersund manager is good enough to, you know, you know. Uh, well, he didn't go directly from, from, from Ostersund, but he went via, you know, Swansea or some other club or whatever. But it's, it's, it's that shop window that you're talking about. So let's say Pizzo does go to the, the Feyenoord or the, the Vancouver or whatever, or in Mexico. Yeah, then he can go into, in, in, into those next steps. But I mean, it's, it's about, will he be willing to sacrifice, you know, what he's worth, he feels he's worth. For example, if he goes to, 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 to a Mexican league, Will they pay him what he's worth? Will he be at that top team or will he be at that mid-table? I guarantee you, know you I mean? the Mexican league is the seventh highest paying league in world football. Mm. Do you understand? Mm. That's what I'm just trying to say. Is if he can go to Al-Hali, which is beautiful, it's wonderful. What I'm just mm. trying to talk about is the level of ambition. Because like everywhere I've read, it's like the next progressive step for him is yeah. also included as Middle East. And for me, all I see there is money. And I'm like, mm. but for the talent that he has... 
there mm. needs to be visibility to the style of play because you also said you need tools. So what tools exactly is he going to find in any of those leagues there that he that will <laughs> exhibit the philosophy that is ingrained in his person and in his narrative as well? So I'm more encouraging us almost to say, if we have a way of saying, then maybe we go out and find the relationships. That's why I said I have a relationship with Kaku. Yeah. <laughs> to let them know and say, all right, take a look at this gentleman. But yeah, this it's acceptance it's different. that we almost set a ceiling ourselves and then we say, well, the opportunity doesn't exist. So I won't go knocking those doors. Yeah. There are ways in which you can create that. Zane's at CNN. <laughs> <laughs> look, I don't know look, what you're talking about, big dog. <laughs> look, I, I, do, I do agree completely with this relationship thing and he's, like his wife is his agent and obviously they have tried to build these, these relationships with these certain clubs. And at the Club World Cup, I was at obviously every press conference that he spoke to and he spoke glowingly about Monterey. He spoke glowingly about Ali Lau. And that was like, you know, kind of like opening up that, hey, I beat your national team coach, Javi Aguirre. You guys got Vincent Jansen and Joel Campbell. I beat you with a, with a, with a, 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 like a second string team. I, I beat this one. I beat that one. He always said, look at all these top coaches. This one was at Braga. This one was at wherever. This one was Egypt's national team. I beat you. I beat you. I beat you. You know what I mean? So he kind of planted those seeds that you are referring to in each and every press conference to say, hey, guys, give me my flowers. You know, you say this one is a top coach. You say this one is a top coach, but I'm beating them all. You know what I mean? So it's not to say that, oh, he's closing himself off from it. But it's, it's also what you're saying is that those opportunities aren't arriving on, onto, his, onto his table. And it is a, a good question. Like, why wouldn't a top South American team uh, want to be interested in pizza? Why wouldn't a Sao Paulo or, or Corinthians or Palmeiras uh, in the future be looking at pizza? But then you get Al-Akhli taking South American coaches and European coaches, you know what I mean? So it's perhaps that, uh, how can I say, I, I don't know how to put it, the, the, not a pyramid, but... Uh, the football hierarchy? The football hierarchy. Uh, Europe, uh, South America, Asia, wherever they are now, and Africa, you know what I mean? So it's perhaps like, okay... Uh, Arsenal is not going to sign a play from Asik Mamosas in this transfer window. But Asik Mamosas just sold the player to Red Bull Salzburg and Arsenal will sign him in three years' time for 50 million instead of the 1.8 million they could have signed him for now. So it's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, taking for granted of the standard. Before we go around the houses for final thoughts, I think... We're not going to do this, but on our podcast, we have spoken about an African Super League. We know that this is in the works. We know that mm. there are people who are for it. We know that there are people who are against it. But one of the, the ideas about being for it is we then have beat league. Our coaches can showcase themselves, mm. where our players can showcase themselves on a strength versus strength, well-resourced, invested in almost NFL, NBA type of franchise. And maybe when we have the space where we can do that, um, maybe we'll start to get the validation that we want. I know this is a passion project of Francis. We've done podcasts on this. So go to YouTube, go to Facebook, search on the Whistle podcast. You can go into the archives. 
It's not old. It's vintage. Pull it out. <laughs> listen. It's a classic. If you want to get in touch, let the way you think pizza should go. Social media is a wonderful, wonderful thing if used correctly. OTW underscore podcast at Instagram and Twitter. Let us know what you think. Um, and guys, before we go, final final words from everyone before we um, before we, we get in our chariots and off we go. Um, what will Pizzo's legacy ultimately be at Al Ahli? Something to celebrate? Something to lament? Or are we sitting here going, he could have achieved so much more? The mic is open. Final parting shots, everyone. Can I just say something? <laughs> the, the African Super League is also giving uh, football administrators in Africa more money to chow. So more money doesn't necessarily mean more progression in this continent. But anyway, for the final parting shot, I would say... Uh, and Lipa's... electricity. <laughs> more load shedding, yeah. So the final parting shot, uh, I'm personally, I'm disappointed to, to see him go. Um, I would have loved to see him at least win the Egyptian Premier League before he left. Um, but he knows his reasons. He's, he's a very intelligent coach, very methodical in, in the way that he's building his career now. Um, and I think the best is still to come. So um, it's not something to be somber about. It's something to celebrate that he, he's added two stars to their badge. Um, they are grateful, the majority of their fans and the club. So uh, I don't think it's something that should be looked upon as a, a mistake or anything. I'd like to just uh, follow on from Lawrence. Um, I'm, I'm not sad to have seen him go. I think he's done enough for the club. I think he's been very successful there. He's given... Uh, a trophy-hungry club, exactly what they wanted. Mm. I hope he goes somewhere now and does absolutely nothing. Nothing. I hope he goes and take a rest, sit down, relax, and get people... Courtney, that's what you do a lot of the time. That's me, Zay. That's me. And then get people working for him. Because Lauren spoke a bit earlier on about this hierarchy of where these teams fit and start pushing his star between this hierarchy, get people like Francis touting him around at big clubs, not in the Gulf, but where he wants to go. So let's not jump to when the Gulf come with their bags of oil money, really be clear on what he wants to do. And, and jumping to the next uh, job may not be the right thing. You know, I think you mentioned this a bit earlier, Lawrence, he may need a break. He went from one high pressure job to the other. There could be a con, um, a few issues in terms of health in there. Take a break. Go on the sabbatical. They will come knocking. But you've got to have your team working in the background so that they see where your door is. Was it was it not on this very podcast when, when we were interviewing Pizzo when he was saying that when he was first moved to Egypt, the biggest shock was that he no longer could even go out in public anymore. So I can't I can't even imagine the the strain he's been under the last couple of years in terms of just being in such a football crazy city and, and coaching such a football crazy club where you just literally can't even go to a shopping mall without being absolutely mobbed by, by hundreds of people. I think, I think for me, and I agree with Lawrence, it's such a shame that he wasn't able to get that 
that Premier League title. I think that would have been the one thing that would set him up and say, look, there's absolutely nothing you can criticize me for. Um, but but I also think that, you know, maybe like, like we said, he's a strategic guy. You know, he's he's quitting the job now whilst a lot of teams are, you know, in their summer break between seasons. So maybe he's, you know, he's seeing that opportunity to move on and and kind of pulling the trigger because he senses that. I think, you know, to, to what Francis was saying, I, I think you're right in terms of, I wonder if there's a perception thing, particularly around the Gulf is kind of maybe what the MLS was, you know, 10 years ago, where it's kind of your holiday home for the, for the rich footballers who you're kind of want a payday. But I mean, we're seeing, and I think, I think football is slowly starting to learn that actually you can get quality from other places outside of Western Europe. You know, I, I think of like Angie Postacoglu, who's, you know, went from Australia having no, you know, very, very limited football playing experience then coaching in Australia, then to Japan. And now he's, you know, winning the Scottish Premier League with Celtic, you know, and, and, you know, talk about football crazy clubs. I mean, that's about as big as you get. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him in the next two or three years managing in the Premier League. Um, So I I think it it would be great to see Pizzo, you know, moving to one of these countries and these different places and seeing where he can kind of build his way up through this, kind of football hierarchy which you know sadly exists but I think we also shouldn't be you know dismissive of even just going to the gulf what an achievement that would be as well in terms of breaking down barriers you know having again sub-saharan black african coaches going to the gulf and and managing you know I think we have to understand you know Pizzo is you know everything he's working at is is harder for him you know he has to he has to fight a lot more than some of the you know he's not you know, European plumber coming in and walking into a job uh, that, you know, that he doesn't deserve. And I think that's why Pitts was so aggressive when he says things like, I beat this guy, I beat him. Or when he says, you know, like, don't come into our country unless you've shown your CV and you've won something in your own country. Uh, you know, I think that's why, because he has to fight. And I think even if, even if he does go to the Gulf, you know, I hope he has all the success because I think he's, well, even that will be breaking down barriers. Even that will be an amazing achievement. So I think, you know, but I, I do also agree with Courtney. I think the man needs the man needs a rest, man. He needs a break. I think iconic before I give Francis the, the mic to, to round us off is how I would describe Pizzo. Um, that phrase, they want our bodies but not our minds, is something that so rings true to African footballers and black footballers and coaches to a certain extent. And Pizzo showed, I can think. I can strategize. I cannot take a vintage class of players and be successful, not just in the CAF Champions League, but in the FIFA Club World Cup, the highest level of competition he could coach in. He did excellently every single time he was there getting the bronze medal. I think there's pride as a South African I take in his achievement. There's pride as a Pan-African to see him at that helm. And I know, to build on what everybody has said, the story is still going to continue. It's unwritten. And I can't wait to see him come back. I can't wait to see him strategize. I can't wait to see him wind up people at press conferences. I can't wait to see him get wind up And I can't wait to see that passion that Pizzo brings. He's not a caricature. He's a man who is a giant in this game. And I can't wait to see him back. Francis. Yeah, I think think you guys have said it all, to be honest. Because for me, really, I think he has nothing to prove to anybody. Uh, There are very few people who genuinely inspire me by the examples of their careers. And he's one of those. He's also a good man. 
you know, there is even something to be said for having his wife as his agent. Uh, that's also having another woman in a very, very highly masculine world, but also saying I empower my partner to be the person who speaks on my behalf. There's so many things about him that I genuinely think are a fine example for us all. But most of all, I genuinely also believe that when you have arrived at the very top as he has, there comes a time where you must take that break like Courtney advises, not because you're tired, not because maybe you deserve the break, but also because like what the people, the good leaders of Dubai and the UAE did, after you have built and you know you've built well, they will come. So those of us who have to do that work to turn the light towards him shouldn't be for him to do it. He can take a break and he can sit back and we can go to work and say, you know what? I know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. And if those relationships aren't his, it's our duty to shine a light and talent like this because when he gets wherever he gets to, he always delivers. He's one of those DHL FedEx guys. He delivers. And I think we must be filled with nothing but pride. Um, I really look forward to the day when I highly regret the day they separated with him. But I also think it would have been a sweeter story if he had won the league. So if there's any tint of, hmm, it would be that. But I think overall, the success of the man, the quality of the person deserves nothing but praise. And that's where I'd like to clean Gentlemen, thank you for joining us around the bar, Bri. Ali, Francis, Courtney, lovely seeing your ugly mugs. Lawrence, the job is yours. You'll be hosting next week. I'm on holiday, feet up, enjoying the summer. Um, we'll have you come live from Johannesburg in the cold. No one can see the heater behind you, but I think it is lovely. South Africa does get cold. Johannesburg does get cold. Lawrence, jokes aside, you are always welcome around our Bri. you always welcome on the sofa. Thank you for your expert analysis. Just remind people if they where, where can they follow you on social media? I know you've got big followings on Facebook, Instagram. I don't know if you're on TikTok yet, but it's time to advertise. Mute myself here quickly. Uh, <laughs> so Zane's taking a sabbatical. Is is that what's what's happening here? He's burnt. He's burnt out by the other mugs. So okay. So yeah. <laughs> They don't so, yeah. pay me enough for this. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Facebook, uh, it's just my name, Lorenz uh, Kola, K-O-H-L-E-R. Uh, Twitter, it's Lorenz underscore K-O. And Instagram, I don't really use that much for work. So it's just personal stuff and whatever. So yeah, that's just two main accounts that I'm using. And, and you're, not, you're, <laughs> not, you're not done with the kids, so no TikTok. <laughs> I do have a TikTok account, but I don't know how it works yet. I haven't really explored that much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm starting to sound old myself. That's Lawrence's code for I haven't figured out how to monetize. Yeah, basically. (laughs) (laughs) But but yeah, I I, I, I do. If you're interested in South African football, my YouTube channel is starting to pop now. Um, So yeah, that's, that's something to look for, like just done a and, few and press how do we, conferences. How do we find this popping channel? It's just Lorenz Kola. What do we name. search for? So, my name, just Lorenz nice Kola. Yeah, so I just, I've been doing a few press conferences here and there. And 
I'm getting my equipment now to do some interviews. Uh, I'm going to do a lot of those personal interviews and stuff like that. But yeah, in due time. Perfect. Lawrence, thank you for joining us. Have a good one, my brother. Gentlemen, we'll see you on the Brian next week. Maybe I'll be here. Maybe I won't. Salagashle.